Okay, stand by there, podcast. Let's go live here. And we will get this show on the road, everybody. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sportscope. I'm your host, Robert Butler, on this ninth, what's the day, the eighth? Eighth day of July. We are nine weeks away from today, from this day, nine weeks from now, of the Dallas Cowboys playing the Tampa Bay Bucks Thursday night football. I cannot wait. Uh, got a lot to talk about tonight. Got a fight that may be, may be just uh, postponed due to the COVID stuff. A little bit of a COVID scare coming up around places now. And also, uh, another one that's coming up this weekend that I would not, if you would have told me 10 years ago, that I would be interested and in, would I be interested in watching the MMA fight, I would have said you're crazy. But I'm really thinking about watching, ordering this uh, Conor McGregor, uh, it was a Daniel Poirier fight there. Uh, I know we got a good finals game on tonight, guys, and I'm interfering with that, but this show's for the playback. Uh, it's the most convenient time that I can talk, really, uh, with my hectic work schedule during the day. Uh, a lot of back and forth. This time of year, you have a lot of uh, lists come out. You have a lot of... Uh, uh, NFL, this is just that that time before the NFL really starts to kick off. You get a lot of the last-minute interviews. I'm trying to get an interview with New England Patriot Dante Hightower. He hasn't got back to me, not really got a lot of faith in that, even though I interviewed his cousin's uh, son uh, last Tuesday. Kavarius Tears, by the way, thanks again to Alicia and Kavarius. Uh, Alicia, the mom, setting me up. I work with her. Uh, and Kavarius here is a University of Tennessee baseball commit, Major League Baseball prospect. Uh, 4,500 and counting views on that. Thank you, Facebook. I really appreciate that. But first, let me get to this, this NFL story. Cal Shanahan. I'm surprised that he actually said this, folks. Cal Shanahan says he and the 49ers wanted to get in on the Matt Stafford uh, sweepstakes of Peter Schrager uh, during a podcast. Talked to Peter Schrager about it with Cal Shanahan, and I thought to myself, "Wow, this is this is something." So not only is Cal Shanahan um, is was the 49ers in on the. Uh, throwing their quarterback under the bus. Well, of course, now they've already drafted a quarterback. But, the, uh, of course, the Rams did. They traded away their quarterback, Super Bowl uh, quarterback appearance. Then you have another Super Bowl quarterback uh, coach appearance with, with Kyle Shanahan and him going out and saying that publicly that they were trying to – uh, they were trying to get Matt Stafford. Now, of course, you know, 
they've already drafted another quarterback. But this really amps up that rival between Sean McVay and the L.A. Rams and Cal Shanahan. I, I believe I've got this soundbite somewhere. If I don't, I'll just have to avoid it. Uh, now, this was on Pat McAfee is playing this before the trade the Rams. 40, the Rams, uh, the 49ers wanted to get in the market for Shanahan. Peter Schrager shares his story from the latest Flying Coach uh, podcast with McVay and Cal Shanahan. Listen to this. I think this is actually taken from the Pat McAfee show. Pat McAfee's doing a really good job right here. Listen up. McVay almost instigating is like, so Kyle, what did you think about the Stafford trade? Not knowing, and I'll go into their relationship because it's really interesting. He says, what do you know about the Stafford? What do you think of Stafford trade? He says, what's crazy is in one hotel, Sean McVay, Matt Stafford, Drew Brees, Sean Payton, Andrew Whitworth, we're all staying at this one really fancy hotel. That's the left tackle for the Rams. thing is going down. Mm. Kyle Shanahan's two minutes away at a different location in Cabo while this is all going down. On the Saturday of that weekend, Kyle Shannon did not leave the house. He was on the phone with Tom Condon, Stafford's agent. He was on the phone with all sorts of different sources around the league. And he was said, my entire vacation has been spent watching Matt Stafford film, seeing if we want to get involved with this thing. And holy cow, I want to get involved with this thing. And the 49ers, I didn't realize, were that interested in Stafford, where Shanahan sacrificing what seemed to be his vacation to be watching Stafford film. And he finds out from a source who says, Hey, you can go out with your wife, Mandy, tonight. Have a Saturday night. Put the film study away. Get off the phone. Nothing's going to happen tonight. Ten minutes into dinner, he gets a text. Deal is done. McVay closed the deal with Stafford. So McVay out-recruited Shanahan. Now, Shanahan, uh, you know, this was, this was the understudy of McVay. Uh, of Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, the Rams head coach. Much younger guy. Uh, this is a Bo Schimbeckler, Woody Hayes type of situation. Pickles, I know you didn't think I could go that far back, but I know that Woody Hayes was very irrit- irritated. Uh, the former Ohio State head coach, with uh, his uh, former assistant became the Michigan head coach, uh, Shim- Bo Schimbeckler. And this seems like this. Uh, so now the, 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 the Rams 49ers uh, robbery is going to be that much better. I mean, this is going to be really something to be uh, told on. Now, I'll say this. This, this also plays into part. Now, remember... Remember, folks, they traded away them meaning the Rams, the Sean McVay, uh, brought his left tackle with him. That was very uh, Kevin Durant type of recruitment. That was very basketball. That was that's the, that stuff don't happen in the NBA like that. But I'll say this: going back to the Rams, so essentially the. Rams have traded away a quarterback they went to the Super Bowl with. They traded away their first-round pick and another future pick to get Matt Stafford. And 
I'll say this. They're they're top heavy team. Uh they are a team that has lost a cornerback. They have lost a um they have lost a um uh, uh this is the Rams. A safety, a cornerback, and free agency. Both of them went over to the Cleveland Browns. Okay. And now, and like I said, when this went down back in the early offseason, I said, get to the Super Bowl and win it. That's the goal here. Because this team has traded away three consecutive first-round picks. Remember, they had to trade first-round picks to uh, uh, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars for, for Jalen Ramsey. Now, he's the best cornerback in the league, in my opinion. Uh, that, that turned out to be a good play, but they're pushing all their chips in. Now, as far as FanDuel and like Fox Bet and all these sites here, I would say that the odds of a Matt Stafford and this offense getting the MVP nod are going to be pretty good because Sean McVay has to fudge those stats to make sure that uh, it makes his uh, uh, gamble look to pay off, whether they win the Super Bowl or not, regardless. And if you're Jimmy Garoppolo, you got to think, okay, these guys drafted this kid out of North, uh, North Dakota State, and now I find out that they went after a guy who's only been in the playoffs twice that I want to say, maybe three times, but I think it's twice, uh, Matt Stafford. And I took this team to the Super Bowl, and now I found out they went after him too. So he he is one of my play uh, favorites. Now there's a few of them to get comeback player of the year. And, you know, guys, I mean, obviously Dak Prescott is the favorite uh, America's team, most popular franchise. He has a horrific ankle injury, Pickles, at uh, on a primetime game that everybody sees his leg turn at an awkward position. He's favorite to win comeback player of the year. But I'll tell you what. Plus, according to uh, FanDuel, plus 5,000 is Jimmy Garoppolo to win that. I think he has as good a chance as anybody to win that. And Stafford with MVP, this is going to be a lot like Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers had like 53 touchdowns or some crazy number. A lot of that was fudged stats pickles. That was calling audibles on like, inside the five-yard line, uh, on the one-yard line. Aaron Jones carried him all the way up there. And then he calls an audible and throws a quick strike to uh, Devontae Adams on the one-yard line. So he gets the credit for the touchdown. So a lot of that is, is going to be... Uh, McVay scheming that up to sell to sell it to the fan base, to sell it to the ownership that I made the right call, even though we have a top-heavy team 
And if Whitworth goes down, who's 39 years old, left tackle, they're going to be in trouble again, and he's probably going to be in trouble. My my uh, my bet is he is probably going to get canned. Uh, there's a chance they can get to the Super Bowl, but let me tell you this, folks. MVPs rarely, rarely win the Super Bowl because that means you're too lenient on one player. The last MVP to win the Super Bowl was Kurt Warner in 1999, and that was over 20 years ago. Uh, now, Joe, uh, Matt, uh, who's the quarterback pickles for uh, Atlanta? Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan, uh, he won it the year they went to the Super Bowl, but they gave up a 28-point lead and ended up losing. Yeah, Stafford's plus 1,700. He's behind guys like Aaron Rodgers uh, for next year uh, to win MVP. Peyton Manning, or, or Peyton Manning, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Josh Allen, Prescott, Lamar Jackson. Uh, he is behind those guys at plus 1,700. I like him to, to get that MVP right now because I think that that, that uh, McVay is going to pad these stats. Uh, that was an interesting story. That came out this week. I'll say this, that... I would um I just cannot wait to see these two teams play right now. I feel like the 49ers have the better team. Uh I think Garoppolo will have a career year this year. I've talked about this before. Uh I don't know if I talked about it private with my dad, but I know I, I've mentioned it for uh some of you others that the 49ers and 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 Garoppolo this will be the best supporting cast he's had, in my opinion, since he's been there. Brandon Ayuk, at, uh, Ayuk uh, Debo Samuel, uh, much better offensive line, Raheem Mostert. Of course, George Kittle, an all-pro at tight end. Uh, that's the best receiving core slash uh, offensive line. The defense is still really good. The secondary is even better. I think they're going to make a strong push this year. Uh, now, the Rams, they lost some players, too, but they're, they're top-heavy. I think early on, this Rams team, they're going to score a lot of points. They may even knock out the uh, – the uh, the um, they may even knock out the, um, the, 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 the Bucks, the Tampa Bay Bucks, early in the year because they play the Bucks before they play the Patriots, Brady's old team. There's going to be a lot of hype for that game. Uh, I can see the Bucks looking ahead and going to L.A. And, and catching a buzzsaw because it's still early in the season. But as the season goes along, I do not think you're going to get 17 games. If you get 14 out of Woodworth, you have a playoff team potential number one seed. Uh, you're probably going to get more like 10 out of Woodworth. He's 39 years old, left tackle. And uh, it, it doesn't get easier when you've got people banging up on you like that. Okay. Okay. That was another story out of the athletic. And this is one of those I told you so because I told you so. Uh, you know, wide receivers look great. Uh, great for fantasy. Play a lot of fantasy. Played high stakes fantasy. Won a million dollar tournament last year. Uh, well, 400 people did, but I won in the, in the Super Bowl. I won a million dollar tournament last year. Love fantasy football. But, but one thing we learned from that Super Bowl that I knew 
is you have to have an offensive line in this league to win. Uh, and and you got to put your money into it. This guy, Stephen Holder, out of the Athletic, wrote a uh, story the other day. He said the NFL offensive linemen spending for the Colts, how much would they dish out? Uh, they're going to be one of the higher spenders with uh, Nelson coming up. The, uh, the guard that they drafted, probably the best guard in the league now. Uh, he, he was a sixth pick overall. Uh, he is said to be setting the he, – he, he describes it as setting the market. And they're looking to be one of the uh, most expensive offensive lines in the entire NFL, according to this writer, uh, Adam. And, and, and what he, he put down, the top – 10 highest paid offensive lines in the NFL. And, 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 I'm, and, and you'll, you'll be surprised at, at where they are, okay? Okay, here, here, here's your top 10 offensive lines in the NFL. Look where they're going to go this year. Look where they were last year. Number one, Browns. Their highest paid guy was Jack Conklin, $53 million. Uh, Jaguars. Now, Jaguars... Uh, you know, they're rebuilding, but out of the top 10, six last year, Pickles made the playoffs. The Browns were number one, Jaguars two. The Colts made the playoffs last year. Uh, number four was the Tennessee Titans. Taylor Lewan, the highest paid player, $46 million on their offensive line. They made the playoffs. And of course, uh, this is the top 10. Highest paid offensive line. Washington, they won the NFC East last year. Uh, Cardinals, they finished 8-8. Eight and eight. They were one game off. The Buffalo Bills and the, uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks. The Tampa Bay Bucks won the entire Super Bowl last year. The Buffalo Bills were in the AFC Championship game last year. Uh, rounding out the top 10 were the Jets and the Jaguars. And the Cardinals. So you got three duds there. Quentin Nelson. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So you got three duds there. Those are the top 10 highest paid offensive lines in the NFL. The lower team, uh, the 10 players, uh, the cheapest offensive lines in the NFL. The Bengals. Guess what? Your first overall pick got hurt in the Washington game because your offensive line couldn't hold up. You've got teams like the the Rams last year. Well, their left tackle was 100 years old and got hurt. That cost you. Uh, uh, the Vikings didn't make the playoffs last year. The Steelers had trouble running the football. And they've also got the Chiefs and the Packers uh, in there as well, Broncos, Chargers, teams that had to put players on this year and the Falcons. But those numbers are skewed. The, the teams that are good here, the teams that were good last year, the top, the, lo the, the lower 10, those numbers are skewed because the Kansas City Chiefs had guys like Castro, or not Castro, Eric Fisher, and their right tackle Schwartz, 
Those guys were on the back end of their second contract. Eric Fisher was the number one overall pick. He's 30 years old, and he got hurt. But he had already completed that second contract. So if, if, if this uh, um, would have been taken for these playoff teams that were in the, the, that were in the bottom third, the ones that are playoff teams, they had overall offensive linemen, but their 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 players signed those contracts years ago. Well, the market's getting higher and higher and higher for offensive linemen, so it looks like they have one of the lowest offensive line. Like for instance, uh, they've got the Steelers, the cheapest offensive line in the league. Well, guys like Pouncey, uh, who just recently retired, Castro's over thirty years old. Though he was a guard for their team, their left tackle. Those guys all. All of those uh, guys, uh, they had already signed that contract. You see what I'm getting at? And, but, you know, so when you read this stuff, I don't understand why that, that general managers don't see it. You put your money in your offensive line in the NFL. Uh, you, you draft them high and you retain them. If you miss... You go out and you go after a free agent offensive line. Then you look at guys like yeah, Mitchell Sports, yeah. Uh, receiving course, people like A.J. Brown, a star player, potentially. Derrick Henry, uh, a massive 2,000-yard rusher. Well, you know what? Both of those guys were drafted in the second round. Uh-huh, that's correct. They were drafted in the second round. Guys like Quentin Nelson, they're harder to find than Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown. Taylor Lewans are harder to find than these type of guys, folks. Okay? So it you 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 draft them early and, and you re-sign them if they're playing up the par more than any other position, even center, if you ask me. Even, even center. Uh, players like uh, running back, wide receiver, maybe keep a wide receiver one. But running backs, you let them walk defensively. You keep your pass rushers in your corners. You can replace linebackers, not unless they are elite status. Uh, Khalil Mack, I've got a story about him today. There was some talk about that trade, looking back on that trade between Khalil Mack and the uh, the Bears. You'll be surprised at who came out better on that. But uh, the proof is in the pudding. You pay your offensive line, and you can get to the playoffs with a mediocre quarterback, folks. And uh, it starts with that. It, it really is. It, it's just not the glamorous position. You know, I would pay... I would bring my whole offensive line back and pick and choose my defensive line players. Uh, cornerbacks, uh, but safeties, even linebacker is the least bust rate in the first round uh, of the past 25 years. You find a fast linebacker that your scout says first-round talent, take him. And then when, when you need one later, take another one. Not unless he is a Cleo Mack type of player. There's only one Cleo Mack, only one Von Miller. Uh, you want to keep your guys that are like uh, Fletcher Cox type of players. They get the ball, pressure to the ball, uh, get to the other guy's quarterback, uh, 
particularly up the middle, Aaron Donald type, okay, and protect your quarterback, and then you got it. Don't worry about all those fancy pieces. You can find it. Those guys look good when the quarterback has time, and obviously you got to find the quarterback. But that's why you think Washington won their division last year. They had a good offensive line and a good defensive line, and they was playing merry-go-round at quarterback and still won. The, uh, they might not win the Super Bowl doing that because other teams have good quarterbacks and good offensive line, but they won their division. There's something to it, Pickles. There is something to that. All right? Uh, in other news, okay. And Rogers is saying that he isn't mad at management. Uh, there was this golf uh, tournament the other day, and... He said he didn't know if he's going to play week one against the Saints. Now, I'll say this. You know, it sounds like he's getting cold feet on, on this, but I'll say that he can really say it's looking more like 90-10 this guy's going to come back. But again, like I said the other day, I, I lose respect for him if he did the, all this and don't, don't go through with it. He can reset the league. He can set a new standard in the NFL if he decides to set out the season. I mean, I know that Le'Veon Bell did this the other day or a couple of years ago. He's a running back. Didn't quite get the, the play. But if you got a guy that's made the kind of money Rodgers has made, the personal stuff that he said and done through his different parties – and from everything that's been done leading up to that, prior to the uh, Jordan Hill uh, incident, getting Jordan Love, drafting him, trading up, and then you want to come back and play? No. I would have did it behind closed doors before I let it get this far. But if you're going to go this far, foresee it all the way through, Make a plan of what you're going to do. Now, he still may stay out. He kind of looked like he was very relaxed, like I could just play golf for another six months. We could set this thing out. So I don't know, but it looked like, it sounded like he's hinting about coming back to Green Bay. Uh, from, from the tournament the other day, the tournament was interesting. But uh, something to keep an eye on. Doug Peterson was in the news. Uh, former Philadelphia Eagles coach. And he was on, this is a late story. This just broke. Uh, I just caught this later on. What did he say? Uh, he, he was in the, on a XM satellite radio interview today. And he's talking about that. He says, you go into the draft and you go into each year looking for quarterbacks. And he says, we continue to look for quarterbacks, and that's what we're always always doing. We didn't intend to uh, have him come in and come directly compete with, uh, with Carson uh, Wentz. He said, we wanted to keep Wentz. We want a Super Bowl with a backup, though, you know, and Wentz was hurt. So, but he said he didn't mean to undermine Wentz or anything of that nature. But I'll say this that what we found out about that situation 
I'm telling you now, Peterson will probably get more job offers now. Because what we what we found out was that the uh, the this uh, owner here, Jeffrey Laurie, was doing some serious micromanaging of him and using this general manager as a pawn, Howie Roseman. This guy, Laurie Pickles, really comes off as a micromanaging, disrespectful jerk. And uh, I'm trying to see if I can find this. Uh, this was from The Athletic a few months ago, but I didn't really get around to it talking about it. It says, the Eagles reportedly treated former coach Doug Peterson like a baby, according to unnamed sources, who claimed Peterson was beaten down by relentless second-guessing in 2019 after a Thursday night win. That was a very impressive win, Pickles, that the Eagles had over the Packers. Uh, uh, that Thursday night game, I couldn't believe the Eagles beat the Packers. Hold on, let me change out my time real quick. Okay, so so this guy, Lori, is, really looks bad in this situation. And if I'm a, a big-time coach, I'm not coming here. You know, if I'm the Oklahoma, uh, what's this guy's name, uh, Ridley or whatever, I'm not coming here. There we go. He says, for example, Thursday night game, Peterson was grilled by... Jeffrey Laurie, an analytics aficionado, over the fact that Peterson hadn't called more passes. If you can run, why call the pass? That's why I didn't take any shots at Garoppolo in the Green Bay NFC Championship game a few years ago when they ran like 200-plus yards on them. Why do that? you wearing them down physically and mentally. And I'm a guy that loves balance, too. Peterson was grilled by owner. Uh, and then Peterson was ridiculed and criticized for every decision. An unnamed source says the athletic, if you won by three, it wasn't enough. If you lost on a uh, last-second field goal, you're the worst co coach in history, said another unnamed source. The fact that Doug had the success he did and all the bleep going on in that building, sometimes I look at our Super Bowl rings and I'm like, holy cow, I don't know how we did it. So it was really, and, and I was on the Mac and Jack, and I remember Jack saying he had a uh, a source within the locker room stating that Lori uh, was more of the problem than general manager. That was before this came out. But Peterson was saying that we really didn't, you know, want to do that with as far as coming in and challenging a guy you just gave a ton of money to for the starting quarterback position. Remember, Wentz was a MVP candidate before he got hurt. You know? But Lurie is, um, he's a guy that is kind of like another owner. He, he, you know what? This right here, this report, this sounds worse than Daniel Snyder. Daniel Snyder We'll get on to uh, coaches in management about, you know, um, taking certain players. For instance, Dwayne Haskins. Daniel Snyder said, 
uh, you know, it was rumored that, you know, he, he, he went to school with Snyder's son or whatever. So he wanted to draft Dwayne Haskins uh, because of that. Now, that's ridiculous. But you're going to call me in and I've got to brief you on the game plan every single week. And you're going to criticize me in a win. This sounds a little bit like Jimmy Johnson and Jeffrey uh, uh, and Jerry Jones. And, 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 you know, Jimmy Johnson then said to the media, and he told Jerry Jones to his face, I've got 30 years of football experience on you. You're a good businessman, but I've got 30 years of experience here. You own the team. Let me manage and coach the team. If you want to manage and coach the team and own the team and uh, and, and uh, do all that, fine with me. Here we are 30 years later, and he still hasn't won a Super Bowl or even got to an NFC championship game without using Jimmy Johnson's players. And it kills him to this day. Uh now, okay, he has made them a very successful organization. But this is going to set the Eagles back for years. You know, Jerry Jones' ego cost him two more rings. Uh, like I said earlier in the program, Pickles, there was uh, Pro Football Focus put a question out to everybody. And Pro Football Focus said, who won the Cleo Mack trade, looking back on it? Uh, the Cleo Mack trade between the Bears and the uh, Bears and the Raiders. And then they, they put a quote. I didn't know. I, it didn't work for reasons I hope to know someday. That's what Derek Carr says on Cleo Mack trade. It didn't work for reasons I hope to know someday. And I guess he was talking about the trade. Now, initially, I thought to myself, this has got to be a good trade for the Bears. And then when I look at the compensation that the that the um that the Raiders got pickles, I thought to myself, this is this is definitely uh, uh, favoring uh, the, the Raiders. But now looking back, and now now you've got people talking about maybe Gruden might not last with the Raiders. And even though the Bears have made that one playoff trip, Mac is still playing at a Pro Bowl level. And there, uh, the 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 uh, the the Bears pickles also got draft picks in that trade, and one of those draft picks was Cole uh, Komet, who's turned out to be a great tight end. Hey, well, a really good, promising tight end had some plays last year. Uh, definitely outplayed uh, Jimmy Graham last year. Uh, I, and of course, they got Cleo Mack, a, a, a Pro Bowl honor every single year. I mean, took their defense to the next level. Now, they traded away. Uh, the, the Raiders got a first round. They've got, you know, uh, Josh Jacobs. 
Yeah, he's a good running back. But like I said earlier, you can find a running back in the second round. Uh, sixth round pick. Uh, end up trading him to the Jets. First round cornerback, Damian Arnett in 2020. I haven't heard anything from him. And then they took uh, third round pick, Brian Edwards in 2020. And, of course, you know he wasn't a great pick because they also took a, uh, with their pick, they took another receiver, Ruggs. And Edwards hasn't done anything. So the Bears actually won that trade, Pickles. They won that, they, they won that trade. They gave away those picks, but those picks, the only one that really turned out to be something was Jacobs. The rest of them were, it's just, it just wasn't that good. You know? And, and quite frankly, the, the, the Raiders, they just haven't drafted that good. You know? So you've got Khalil Mack and you've got Cole Komet. And they got Josh Jacobs, a guy you probably, a, a type of player they probably could have got in the second round. Now, they did trade away some other players, but they their defense is has not recovered. And that was a few years ago now. We're talking three years ago. The, the, the Raiders' defense still hasn't recovered from Cleo Mack. And a lot of that you can blame on Gruden being in control of everything. Uh, the general manager he brought in from the NFL Network, he hasn't really mounted out to the hype that we all thought he would be. But, you know, you just never know until this thing plays out. Draft picks are great. If you have a general manager and scouts that you're letting do their job. That's the same thing we talked about the other day. I talked about on the program with Bill Belichick and now, Nikhil Harry's already asking for to be traded. They drafted him in the first round, and the guy a few years ago, back at 19, he's not even a first-round talent. That's because you can't do both. You can, it's been proven you can't be general manager and coach in this league. Now, of course, this past year, uh, Robert Kraft finally had to step in and say, man, you've got... You know, Tom can't cover up all these eyesores anymore. You know, you, you've got to let these guys do their job. Now, that's sometimes you might want to get a uh, an incident like that. You might want to get the owner to step in. But Robert Kraft isn't asking Bill Belichick to go up there and and uh, break down every single play uh, that after uh, after the game's over with, like Jeffrey Lurie. I say, man, you want me to win? You want me to win this game? Stay up there and let me stay down here, and then we'll uh, uh, we'll send you copies of everything. I'm not explaining this to you, but yeah. So that that was kudos to them. Um, let's see. So the Bears won the trade, and and, and leading up to that, I mean. You know, when they got Jacobs, I thought, man, the Raiders cleaned up. But none of their other players around that done anything. None of the other players had uh, ha- had done anything. Okay. What to get to next? Okay, so, that, you know, this story about this um, 
Rachel Nichols thing. This has been the talk on podcasts and sports talk stuff all week long, folks. You won't believe the, the, the kind of stuff that I've heard. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, the, the LA Times wrote something about uh, Maria Taylor. I mean, it's just this report after report because it's race and all that involved. And now a lot of talk has been about this advisor, uh, Pickles, you mentioned the other day, to LeBron James. This guy's name is Adam Mendozlin. And he has, this guy has been advising LeBron since 2010, since LeBron had that bad reception, excuse me, from... Cleveland. Uh, since that bad reception they got, by the way, today's the anniversary of the of the decision. That would have been uh, back in 2010. We're, we're talking 11 years ago. Time flies, pickles. And so this Daniel, what is his name? Daniel or Adam? Uh, yeah, yeah, this Medelson guy, this advisor who has taken over for LeBron, uh, to help LeBron, uh, according to the website 2010, Adam Medelson became a publicist with LeBron James' organization. His public image was hired to turn around James after he opted to relocate to Miami from Cleveland. Before joining his sporting career, Medelson uh, has been the deputy chief staff of Governor Ar Arnold Schwarzenegger in California. Now, this guy, it was a funny thing about this, Pickles. It's right around the time after LeBron made the decision. And again, I said it then, I'll say it now. I was totally okay with him doing what he did. And I thought that the Cleveland fans way, way overreacted. Uh, he broke his back there for seven years. They couldn't get a second star. Uh, he was listening to Kevin Garnett saying, don't waste your young years here not winning anything. you got to get your ring, man. And uh, remember, Kevin Garnett went from Minnesota to, uh, to, to Boston. But this guy, right around this time, after he went to Miami, slowly but surely, LeBron's little smart comments and his political activism and his under um, his his comments that does not seem measured, uh, his out of school talking about incidents and, and police shootings and everything uh, really started to hurt me because he would he was just talking out of school a lot on this. And this guy has been the worst thing that's ever happened to LeBron, if you ask me. So he claims to be, air quote, woke and all this stuff. So this is what he said that caught him in hot water during his conversation with, uh, with, Rachel, with Rachel Nichols. And I'm, I'm going to make sure I get the comments right. Uh, do, 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 and see if I can get all the comments. He, he said something 
in regards to he's exhausted. He says this in that conversation. He says, between LeBron's thoughts on BLM and me too, I'm exhausted with all this. Now, that's what he said in private. He was complaining about this. Then he comes back and makes this statement publicly. He says, Pickles, I made a stupid, careless comment rooting in privilege, and I'm sincerely sorry. I should have said it or even thought thought it. I work to support these movements and know that the people affected by these issues never get exhausted or have nothing left. I have to continue to check my privilege and work better to work to be a better ally. And this guy, there's no nice way to put this, Pickles. He's what I call an educated idiot. He went to University of Virginia and uh, got his uh, PhD out of Princeton. Subject studied the Holocaust, Judaism. And I'm like, okay, so you studied the Holocaust and all this then you know about oppression, real oppression. And you're talking about privilege and all that. That term, that term, that offensive term, you know, does this guy know all that education? Does he know how much uh, divisiveness that that has caused on this country that term privilege as in white privilege okay about a month ago pickles there was an amazon driver a 21 year old hispanic woman worked for amazon this is not a crazy person off the street uh she was running behind on one of her deliveries a lady a 67 year old woman Asked her why was she, you know, late? What happened, you know? And she said, uh, your white privilege won't speed this thing up any faster. And, of course, the lady said something to her, back to her. And this woman jumped on this lady, this 67-year-old woman who could have been this guy's wife. He's 60, by the way. It could have been his mother, Adam. And hit her in the head, broke her nose. Uh, this is on camera. Uh, this woman, it was so bad that this 21-year-old woman was charged with two felony, a uh, felony battery, and 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 beating an elderly person. She had two felonies on her. So that type of rhetoric from elitists like this guy is destroying this country. LeBron should have fired him immediately. He said what he said in private because he don't really believe that crap. He's a panderer. And, you know, that's what I say to anybody that supports this movement. I don't care what letter you have behind your name. Uh, you vote or support somebody that's for this. You're part of the problem. 
But if that's your mother that gets beat up and calls some kind of privilege, I bet you probably change your attitude a little bit. You know? Now, this Adam guy, 60-something-year-old, you need to speak for yourself, man. Uh, Long Island, I mean, this guy's growing up with a silver spoon in his mouth. And I love how people like, I reached out to Joy Taylor. She works with the Colin Cowherd pod, uh, show. She's a uh, reporter. She is a uh, a mixed, she's a mixed race. And she looks white as I am. I do, Pickles. And she goes around saying, just because you were poor, that doesn't have anything to do with white privilege. But that's not what we're talking about if you grew up poor. I don't say, you know, and I asked her, I sent her an email, Pickles, the other day. I asked her to come on my show. So let me tell you something. I know you're um, Jason Taylor's sister and everything. I'm not even going to hold that against you. But me and you look just about like, Joy. Uh, if you had to walk across the street, to them projects every day, through them projects every day, like I did in 1988, 1989 at six, seven years old and get punched in the face every single day and called a name because you're white, I bet you wouldn't say what you say. You grew up in private schools. Uh, uh, you were protected by older brother. You wouldn't say what you said if you grew up like I did. Most people, there was a study the other day. Most people alive in America today are right around my age. They were born around 1981. Uh, those air quote white people, what is white anyways? I mean, you know, I got half part Native American in me. I don't, I, you know, come on, Irish, Native American. But if you grew up in those inner cities, you wouldn't say that crap, you know? But this guy has run, uh, he's run LeBron's image, getting back to him. He he has run LeBron's image. Uh, LeBron would have been better off just dealing with Rich Paul. Uh, that landed badly, that Cleveland, but that, the Cleveland fans were a little bit hurt because he left the city. But the stuff he said now, that makes that look like nonsense. You know, him putting that picture of that cop out, this guy's a yes man, see? And he's real educated. And he make LeBron think he's special. You know, Jason Whitlock, he, all, he, he said this the other day. He says, guys like, people like Maria Taylor and LeBron James, they want white people to uh, rub their belly and pat them on the head and tell them how wonderful they are. You know, and I've mentioned this before when it comes, and I don't like to talk about this stuff, but it it just it just it just over so women it pulls me back in, you know? It pulls me back in. But a guy like me, and I'm quite closer with my black friends now than I have been before all this stuff went down over the last few years. And it's because I will tell you the truth. And I'm not gonna tell you everything you wanna hear. But behind your back is the same thing I say to you when I'm in your face. You know, for one thing, 
I'm not afraid of you. You know, for another thing, I'm not scared of what other people may think. I'm not a person who measures what I want people to. In other words, I don't say what I think you want me to say and pander to you. I tell you the truth. And the fact that I tell you the truth, there's more trust there. And my black friends tell me this. Man, you just want to. I said, well, you know, I'm going to tell you the truth, man. White privilege, systematic racism, um, those terms are, are they're not true and they're offensive to me. Quite, quite frankly, you use that word white privilege around me. That's like calling somebody the N-word. I'm serious about that. Okay? But this guy called, he, he, he says that thing privilege, but behind his, you know, he don't say that behind LeBron's back. Yeah, he, he's a con artist, see? And I noticed LeBron's been using this term educated this and educated that. I said, now that educated idiot is filling your head full of nonsense and that making you look like a bigger idiot. The first thing I would do if I'm LeBron, I'd fire that phony. You know, I, I would be like, you know, I'm stopping all this divisive crap. And, uh, but, you know, like I said, uh, Amazon driver, what if that was your mother, LeBron? Uh, Adam? What if that was your mother that had her nose broken by an Amazon driver? For people like you, teaching the people who say this the older ones they don't really believe it they like to pander these politicians do this for um for gain you know political game and then you've got your 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 race hustlers they do that they're opportunists too but my problem is the young people that girl's 21 years old that are brainwashed by this and and they already have problems in their life like we all do and they think that this person's part of the problem why I'm, my, my life sucks. You see what I'm saying? And then you get incidents like the one in California. There's there's YouTube videos everywhere where people are getting... There was a guy last year, a manager pickles of a... um, What was it? A Macy's? This was inside Macy's. This 18-year-old black kid, young man. And his, and his brother... Feminine walks up and punches the manager and hits him repeatedly in his face. That was directly racial related in Michigan. And the guy cut him some slack in court. You know, so when you people say this stuff and do this stuff, this has effect and consequences. That's why it gets under my skin so much, you know. Yeah, that guy says what he wants people to hear. Guy like that, my dad used to tell me, don't, uh, you can't trust a person who's willing to give you the shirt off your back. He's a yes man. There's no telling what he's making off LeBron. But uh, people like him causing a lot of damage in this country, folks, I tell you. And, and it's it's going from the sports world, uh, bleeding over into the, uh, the real world. And last story here. 
Conor McGregor and Daniel Poirier will fight uh, their third fight on Saturday. And I'll say this. From the time I first started listening to UFC fighting till now and watching it, it went from two guys just beating the crap out of each other and bloody and too hard to watch to I was watching about 15. I watched clips of both of the first two fights. And these guys have came a long way. For instance, McConnor, this guy Poirier, was backing the Connor up. And this type of fighting, you get wrestling involved, you got kickboxing, you've got boxing, jiu-jitsu, whatever. Pretty much all goes. Except for, I think, maybe kicking someone in the genitals. But I liked how McGregor put his back. This guy was trying to body slam McGregor and get him down. So he puts his back all the way up to the, uh, the ropes and sits down. And this guy tires himself out trying to pick him up and slam him. So McGregor pushes him off and boxes with him. It, the skill level is, is so much more improved now than it has even uh, eight to ten years ago. It's very interesting. I may order this thing because I have to prepare for the Mac and Jack show very early Sunday morning. Uh, record it. Watch it while I'm preparing for the Mac and Jack uh, and, Dan- and Dante Wilder and uh, Tyson Fury on the 24th, they've had uh, Tyson Fury's uh, camps got a COVID outbreak. That may get delayed. That's another one. That's a match coming up towards the end of the month. Uh, the second one was great. Fury singing American Pie at the end of it. A uh, lot of personality. Uh, that will be a great fight. But this MMA one, this may be the first one I order. This McGregor, uh, these guys are exactly the same height. They're exactly the same weight. Uh, both of them are 1-1 uh, fight by knockout. So this is the rubber match, I guess, if you were saying. So that is what it is. Now, I'll tell you what, all day today, people were really high on... I feel like that people were too high on this Bucks uh, on this uh, Phoenix team coming in today. And Pickles, I tell you, I almost betted uh, if that number would have got to over two hundred, I was going to drop twenty on Milwaukee, but I changed my mind um, at the last minute. I didn't like the number. Now I'm looking at it. it looks like Phoenix is up by ten, so maybe uh, maybe I didn't make the right mistake. But I just had a feeling all day that Milwaukee was going to win this game. Now, you still got a whole fourth quarter to go. You never know what can happen. But um, I don't know. I got a feeling this is not going to be a sweep. I, th- I think this is going to be a five-game series uh, right now in, in, in favor of um, 